You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, today we're doing um, a tribute from 5684. This is Igris Moshe Ebenezer Chelek Aleph Zion. And we're still in uh, in Europe, and we're still, uh, we have the same characters, Rav Moshe and uh, his uncle Rabbi Kantrovitz. What changes is that in this tshuva, it is Rabbi Kantrovitz who says that Rav Moshe's statement is Lonitan Leha Merklal. So let's dive into it. Um, the part that's relevant to us, we're going to start by uh, beginning, the very beginning of the tshuva. Mashakosa kvod gonon dodi al dvarai besugya de chagiga daf yudalad, shalomistabir klal omarde dambate shkicha. So you, the controversy wrote about me that I had claimed based on the sugya on chagiga daf yudalad that the case of a woman who becomes pregnant as a result of immersing in water uh, into which a male had previously ejaculated. So Rabbi Kantrovitz said, Rav Moshe reports that Rabbi Kant, we don't have Rabbi Kantrovitz uh, on the side of the conversation, but Rav Moshe reports that Rabbi Kantrovitz accused him of saying that this was a frequent thing, a frequent occurrence. And Rav Moshe says, You didn't actually read what I wrote. Because of course, that's not common, and uh, I wrote it explicitly. Now what's going on is that there is a sugya in the Chiga Daf Yudal, a very odd sugya, uh, this is after the four enter pardes. So one of the questions, a question was asked to Benzoma that if a basula, meaning a woman with an intact hymen, uh, becomes pregnant, um, can she marry, right, can she marry a Kohen Gadol, right? Is a Kohen Gadol allowed to marry a woman who is physically a basula, even if she's gone through a pregnancy? Now, there may be you know, subtext in this sugya which have nothing to do with halacha, uh, plainly, any time you have a sugya that deals with a virgin who gives birth, uh, there's at least a suspicion that you're dealing with um, some form of polemic about Christianity. But we're going to take it straight, as um, Rav Moshe does. And this, right, here's the way the sugya sets it up. Should we be worried that while she has an intact hymen, she is not actually a virgin in the sense of not having had sex? Because Shmuel reports that he that it was possible for him uh, right, is always a question, you know, why does, uh, right, why how does Shmuel know this? All that, not our issue right now. Shmuel reports that he was capable and, and that it was, it was, it's perfectly common for people to be capable of having uh, sex with a woman in such a way that might impregnate her without um, breaking the hymen. And the presumption of the sugi is that such a woman would not, in fact, be um, muterit to a, uh, to a Kohen Gadol. Um, or do we say no? The way she be, be, became pregnant is through an ambatya, and Benzoma answers the Shmuel loshchiach the chayshin and shema beambate ibra. Shmuel's case is not actually common. Uh, Shmuel could do this, but it wasn't a uh, it was it was it wasn't um, it wasn't common for everybody else. This Sagan Subas raises issues with this. Uh, maybe it's culturally it's culturally dependent. Um, so Shmuel says right, you don't ha- you don't that. The, the concern, so the Gemara says, the concern, or Benzoma says, the concern for Shmuel is not a common concern. Rather, we uh, we are worried or we are concerned for the possibility of an ambatya. So if you read the Sugya Shaoli, you might think that we have to replace one, right, if that isn't Shkiach, so we must be claiming the replacement is Shkiach, right? So if the Gemara says that Shmuel isn't Shkiach, it must be saying that Ambati, which we depend on instead, 
is is Shekhiach, or at least is more Shekhiach than Shmuel, but that's not necessarily the case at all, because it could be we have a presumption, um, one we have a presumption one way, and even right, and what we we do is we're tola, right? We say so long as there is a possibility that she became pregnant, uh, right? Then we don't have to be concerned about Shmuel. It doesn't have to be a likely possibility. That's, I think, the pasuk shot in the sugi and the way pretty much everyone I've seen read it, reads it, and so it sounds like Rav Moshe is correct that Rav Kontrovitz did not read his article, his letter thoroughly, um, and Dr. Moshe says I wrote this explicitly, and it's simple pshat masogya. Okay. So later in the tshuva, um, Rav Moshe writes that Rav Kontrovitz accused him of not having looked at the realm of the beginning of uh, chapter 18 of Yisurebiya. In order to understand this, we have to understand what Rav Moshe said, and then we can try to understand why Rabbi Kontrovitz accused him of this, and how Rav Moshe defends himself. So, in Halachi Gimel of the Parakit Chedavi Serebiyah, the Ramam writes a whole list of, um, a secondary list of women, not the primary list of women, uh, about them included, Asu osa zona, they make her into a zona, meaning that she becomes asura of a kohen. Vim haisa kohenet, and if she's a bas kohen, psula mina truma, so she becomes uh, invalid um, to eat uh, to eat truma. V'chein yivama sheba aleazar asa zona, and similarly, if you have a woman who is in a yibam or chalitza situation, her husband died without children, and she instead of doing or before doing even more chalitza with the brother-in-law, she goes and has sex with somebody from the shuk. Um, then as azona, then she becomes a zona, and the Raman doesn't add vim haisa kohenest paslua minatruma. So Rav Moshe wants to say that that's because um, she. Rav Moshe says that in fact that's the case. She is a zona who is not who is still eligible to eat truma. And Rav Kantrowitz says, what are you talking about? If we take a look at the Ramam in the beginning of Perakit Chedavi Serebiya, we'll see that there's a machlokist in the Ramam and the Ravit. The Ravit says that the category Zona is based on one principle. Uh, if a woman has sex with a man who, if he tried to marry her, the kedu- it's not that just that the marriage is forbidden, but the marriage doesn't have any legal validity at all. It's not to- right, the kedushin are not tofix. But the Ramam does not have a single principle. The Ramam says, uh, right? Or if, if she has sex with a man who is forbidden to marry her, he doesn't say, right, whom marriage does not, um, who, right, whose marriage does not apply. So that suggests that the um, Ramam disagrees with the Ravid. Now, why does this matter to us? Because a Yavama Lashuk, there's a machloket whether Kedushin are tofis or not. Now, Rav Moshe's overall structure is going to require that the reason a uh, Yavama who sleeps with someone from Lashuk is a Zona is because the Ramam holds like the position of Rav that a Kedushin are not tofis on a Yavama. And Rav says, how can you make the Rambam's position depend on the, on, on whether Kedushin are tofes or not, the Ram in the very beginning of the parak says that um, that the status of Zona has nothing to do with being tofes um, Kedushin or not. So Rav Moshe 
responds, I know the beginning of that paragraph very well, I even quoted it, and you missed the beauty of the uh, structure I built. So here's what Rav Moshe says. He says, I, there's the fundamental Pasuk of Almanaz, Zonagra, Shavach, Yikahu, that, the Ramam agrees, that forbids only women uh, who sleep with somebody who, with whom they, not only would it be forbidden for them to have condition, but the condition would not be tofes at all. But, Rav Moshe says, really there are two Pesukim, one of them which fundamentally deals with the Isur to marry a Kohen, with Psul Kuna, and the other one of which deals with the Psul uh, for Truma. The one which deals with the Psul for Truma is an Emor, Uvas Kohen ki Ishzar, the question is, what's the relationship among those psukim? So Rav Moshe says that I understand the Ramam this way. The, fun, right, the first pasuk of, of where it uses the term zona actually re- requires lotafsi bakidushin. However, women who are invalidated by the second pasuk, which uh, are also included in the category of zona. Therefore, any woman who can't eat truma is a zona. But, Rav Moshe says, it doesn't follow that any woman who is a zona cannot eat, um, cannot eat truma. Because if you have a woman who is only invalidated by the first, right, by the, um, by the first pasuk of zona, which is lotafsi bakadushin, but the man with whom she has a relationship, even though they, um, even though the, the condition are in Tophes, nonetheless, uh, that man is not considered an Ishzar, um, so then she's still allowed to eat Truma. Now, what could, case could that be? Chirmash uh, says that there are, uh, the Gemara the says that Kisiel Ishzar uh, requires Zar Me'ikara. It has to be somebody whom she was always forbidden, or she's intrinsically forbidden to marry, and that lets out two cases. One is Machazir Grushaso. A man who um, who right who who remarries a wife who's had a another um, another marriage in between, and the other is according to the position that a chivam b'shuk bakidushin. So there's right here we have another case of a woman who um, right she has a relationship with a man whom uh, right who there is no possibility of kedushin, and yet the man is not an ishzar because. Um, it's not an intrinsic um, prohibition. So Rav Moshe says, I think the uh, the correct outcome here is that this woman, the Yavam Shuk, according to the Rambam, right, is very mediak. She's a zona because lotafsi bakidushin because we're holding like Rav, but he's not an ishzar, and therefore she's allowed to uh, she's allowed to eat truma. Uh, right, and then he says, you're gonna, right, if if you refuse to believe in my right in my structure. If you refuse to believe that there is a category of a woman who is both called a zona and nonetheless uh, allowed to eat truma, he says that doesn't make any sense because there's a tosfos um, in Yavamos that says this explicitly according to the position of Rebbe Eliezer. Eliezer holds that uh, you can become a uh, you become you become a zona and a surah lekohen even if there's no prohibition at all other than two unmarried. Uh, Two unmarried pe- uh, people having um, having sex together. Nonetheless, the woman becomes a zona if she had any act of forbidden sex. And Tosfos says explicitly, but even according to Rabbi Eliezer, uh, you're allowed to eat truma. So Rabbi Eliezer says, I have proven to uh, that there is a category amongst Rishonim of 
a woman who is considered a zona nonetheless allowed to eat truma. How can that be? It must be because my structure is fundamentally correct. And once we know that this structure is fundamentally correct, what's the problem with saying that's the case in the Rambam? Okay, there are there are linguistic arguments you could make, right? Why does the Rambam never mention the category of Tafsi Bakidushin explicitly? So the answer is you're supposed to figure it out. Okay. So Ramosha establishes his position as reasonable. Then he says, right, after he establishes the reasonableness of his position, he says, I am astonished at Yuri Kantrovitz, who said of my position, not only that I'm wrong in the Rambam, but you said the outcome that I assigned to the Rambam, that a woman can be considered a Zona and nonetheless be allowed to eat Shum in her father's house, that outcome, you said, is Loni Tanlehe Amir Klal. Okay, so this is the second time in a row that we've seen a tshuva that says Loni Tanlehe Amir Klal, and uh, the position is in fact perfectly sayable. What I want to suggest is that Rav Moshe actually picked the phrase up from Rabbi Kantrowitz. Right, we see here that Rabbi Kantrowitz said this about him, so now we discover the previous discussion that Rabbi Moshe had said, uh, said about Rabbi Kantrowitz, but this is a long conversation with many uh, elements to it, and we, the, even though the first use I found of the phrase Negris Moshe is in that Shuvah 5683, it's possible that they use it to each other all the time, and you can see they used it as, uh, you know, as people who learn together, and sometimes... Uh, use some you know, hyperbole about the other person's uh, position. Uh, so that's right. That's the thesis I'm going to set out, that Ramosha first uses the phrase in the context of this dialogue with an uncle who himself used the phrase, and Ramosha got it from him. So the question we're going to be exploring in, uh, in, um, in future episodes is to see whether Ramosha develops a different, narrower sense of the term, uh, either uh, over time replacing the sort of loose use of the term in the conversation of Rekontrovitz or developing another use of it uh, alongside. So please stay tuned and thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 